Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is the official two-year anniversary of Verdict with Ted Cruz. We've just gotten a major win in the Supreme Court. We've gotten a major win in the United States Senate. There's a new, very important First Amendment case going to the Supreme Court that Senator Ted Cruz is actually bringing himself, and we are in the mood to celebrate. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is brought to you by American Hartford Gold. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive. We are in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is certainly here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text CACTUS to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text CACTUS to 65532. 
This episode of Verdict is also brought to you by Stamps.com. If you've got a small business, you know there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Save time and money with Stamps.com. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates for USPS, UPS, and more. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No supplies, no special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new rate advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates. So save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with our promo code, VERDICT, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in VERDICT. That's Stamps.com, promo code VERDICT. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. Senator, nothing's ever perfect in politics. There are some losses. There are some dangers. There are some threats. This has been a good week. It has been a damn good week. The biggest win, before we get into the case that you are actually bringing to the Supreme Court, before we get into that, before we get into the filibuster, which lives, lives to see another day, the OSHA mandate. Yeah. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration was demanding that 84 million Americans take the Fauci ouchie, as some of us call it, the COVID vaccine. Employers were enforcing it. Some people brought a lawsuit. One of the, one of the groups was the Daily Wire. We bring a lawsuit and the Supreme Court strikes, effectively strikes down the mandate. Yeah, no, it was a huge victory for the rule of law. It was a very important case. Uh, when the OSHA mandate came out, we talked about it a lot on this podcast. Your employer, the Daily Wire, filed a lawsuit, was a party in the suit. So, so we're actually sitting here, both of us <laughs> parties. Are, are parties in Supreme Court cases this, the, this past week. The OSHA case was huge. And, and when it came out, we had a podcast at the time where we walked through the legal standards for OSHA promulgating a rule like that. Yeah. And you'll recall, we, we said on the pod, we said, number one, we said the Supreme Court's going to strike it down. And in fact, when you and I talked about it, when the case was being argued, I said, I think the decision will be 6-3. I think there will be six votes to strike it down as beyond OSHA's statutory authority, beyond the, the, the authority of the federal government. Uh, and we also talked about Ron Klain, who was the White House, is the White House Chief of Staff, who stupidly sent a tweet right when the, the OSHA mandate issued, where he retweeted that this was a workaround to get around the law. <laughs> and, and you'll recall, I talked about, I tweeted yeah. at the time and said this was really dumb. And I promise you, number one, this edict is going to be challenged. Number two, I believe it's going to be struck down in court. And number three, this idiotic tweet from Ron Klain yeah. is going to be exhibit A in the lawsuit. And the Supreme Court's decision, 6-3, striking it down, what did they cite, among other things? Ron Klain's tweet. This seems to be a workaround, and that's not legit. So the, I read the opinion of the court. I read the concurring opinion of the court's conservatives, yep. the, the three, uh, Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch. And I read the liberal dissent. 
This is obviously all great news, but it was a little confusing. I'm not a lawyer. I have no, so they were, they stayed the mandate and then they sent the mandate back to the lower, but okay. So what does that mean? So what they did is they upheld the injunction. So the mandate is enjoined. An injunction is an order from a court either to do something or not to do something. So the injunction means the mandate has no, no legal force. Okay. But they remanded it to the lower court to to have a trial, to consider the claims challenging the mandate. But the reason why this is really good, one of the grounds for upholding the injunction is likelihood of success on the merits. So six justices Mm -hmm. have said the plaintiffs are likely to succeed. They haven't conclusively said their claims are valid, but they've said they're likely to succeed on the merits. Uh, That, that, the OSHA mandate, for all intents and purposes, it's is dead. dead. Um, unfortunately, there was a second decision that came out the same day. Uh, and that second decision uh, was 5-4 upholding a different vaccine mandate, the vaccine mandate that the Biden administration put on health care workers. And it put on health care workers in facilities that are receiving federal funds, either through Medicare or Medicaid. And that was 5-4. Um, it, it consisted of the three liberals plus Chief Justice Roberts uh, plus Brett Kavanaugh were the five. Um, and, you know, we talked about before the Supreme Court's decision coming out of New York with healthcare workers yeah. where they had refused to stay the decision out of New York. I think that was a mistake. I think this was a mistake. But, look, the three li- libs, they like all these mandates. Apparently, the Biden can mandate us to do whatever we want, to dance on one leg in a pink tutu uh, while singing Yankee Doodle, Doodle Dandy. The libs more or less say that in yeah. the dissent. They I, say there's basically no limit to what the government can do in this regard. Um, Roberts and Kavanaugh, on health care workers, they're pretty comfortable with the federal government or the state government. The New York mm. case was a state government issue. Here it's the federal government. But they're pretty comfortable with the federal government forcing state workers, state health care workers, or, or just health care workers generally, yeah who are receiving government money to have to uh, have to get vaccinated. I think that was a serious mistake. I think they're undervaluing the liberty interest of these, these healthcare workers. Because I had this question when I saw Kavanaugh squish and flip to mm-hmm. the other side. I thought, well, do, do healthcare workers not have the same rights as every other employee? So you remember we talked about that there are four different mandates that came out. There's a mandate for military servicemen and women, there's a mandate for civilian employees, there's a mandate for federal contractors, there's a mandate for private employers with 100 or more employees under OSHA. Yeah. And I said they're all in descending likelihood of surviving. Yeah. So the OSHA order was always the most vulnerable legally because the OSHA statute doesn't allow this. This is really... A, a far stretch from what Congress intended on in OSHA, which is why Ron Klain called it a workaround. Right. Um, to be fair, the healthcare workers, there's a stronger statutory argument there. The statutory language is different, and mm-hmm. so there is a stronger argument. I still think that mandate should have been struck down as well. Uh, but But there is a meaningful difference in terms of with OSHA, they had zero legs to stand on. With right. the healthcare workers, they didn't even have a leg, but maybe they had a toe. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. And still still basically a win. Even if it was uh, un- unfortunate that the court wouldn't go all the way on this second case, 
uh, still a major win. 84 million Americans don't need to be vaccinated against their will. Well, and I got to say, I, I take particular pride because not only did we predict at every stage every what detail. would happen in this case on the podcast, uh, but the lawyer who argued the case uh, was my former chief counsel. Huh. So, so it's a fellow named Scott Keller. He's a great guy. Um, Scott was actually a student of mine. So I met Scott when I was teaching at University of Texas Law School. Mm. And he was a law student there. I taught a seminar on U.S. Supreme Court litigation. And he took the class. He was excellent in the class, did extraordinary. I gave him an A plus, and then and, and I didn't give very many A pluses. Um, he graduated number one in his class at University of Texas Law School. He went and clerked on the Court of Appeals. He clerked uh, for Justice Kennedy on the Supreme Court, and I, I uh, recommended him for that. And then when I, several years later, when, when I was elected to the Senate, I hired Scott as my first chief counsel. Hmm. So when I showed up a decade ago in the Senate, Scott, we were down in the basement. I'd just gotten here. When you first get here, you don't have a real office. You're sort of in temporary space, and you're just trying to figure out everything. So Scott spent a couple of years with me as my chief counsel, and then actually came and quit. And here's why he quit. Because he'd been appointed to be the Solicitor General of Texas. Not a bad gig. And it's my old job. It's <laughs> yeah. a job I loved. I did five and a half years. And and when Scott gave his notice, I was really sad. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to lose him because he's a really talented lawyer. But, but I couldn't complain mm-hmm. because SG of Texas is an amazing job. And you get to argue cases. You get to argue cases. Court. So Scott has now argued more cases than I did. I argued nine cases. He, uh, when he argued his 10th case, I called him that morning and said, all right, screw you. I, I just had well, to say that as former now, boss, I had to like throw that marker down. So now I have to ask you, obviously, you're not going to be arguing a case before the Supreme Court right now, but are you bringing this case before the Supreme <laughs> Court just to beat your old general counsel? Well, no, but, but, but there was a separate case. So we're sitting here, we're recording this on Wednesday. This morning, uh, the Supreme Court heard an oral argument. The very first case was Federal Election Commission versus Ted Cruz. And, and I am the plaintiff. I have sued the Federal Election Commission uh, seeking to strike down a provision of McCain-Feingold, the big campaign finance legislation. It's a terrible piece of legislation. Uh, has all sorts of problems. But at the heart of it, McCain-Feingold was all about incumbent politicians wanting to make it harder for anyone to run against them and challenge them. It was about the one thing Republicans and Democrats could agree on is nobody should beat us in an election. Well, so McCain-Feingold is throwing barriers in the way of challenge. This doesn't make sense, though, because I was reading a lot of left-wing news sources today that was telling me, they were all telling me about the case, and they say that Ted Cruz is bringing a lawsuit before the Supreme Court to make it easier to bribe yep. and corrupt yep. politicians and to make this swampland even swampier. Yep. Are you telling me that the left-wing media got it y- wrong? You're right. That's every headline is Cruz wants more bribery. <laughs> um, and, and even for the media, that's a little dishonest. So, yeah. so there were two provisions of McCain-Feingold that were called the Billionaire's Amendment. Hmm. So incumbent politicians hate anyone that can challenge them. Yeah. Um, they particularly hate people who have money. So if you get a really rich person that runs against you, that's really problematic because <laughs> then they can run ads and communicate and you got a problem. So the Millionaire's Amendment, half of it said that if someone self-finances and puts a whole bunch of money into, into his own campaign that the federal limits for the other guy are tripled. So instead of 2900 a person, it's, it's nearly nine grand a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's entirely designed to 
benefit incumbents right. and to discourage rich people from running against them. Well, the Supreme Court a few years ago struck that half of the Millionaire's Amendment down, said, look, if someone decides to run for office, if they want to invest their own resources and speak, you have a right to speech, and that, that means spending your own money to speak. If, yeah. you, if you want to put a billboard on the freeway, if you want to run a radio ad or a TV ad, yeah. all of that is political speech. So that was half of the Millionaire's Amendment that was struck down several years ago. The other half of the Millionaire's Amendment is what this case is all about. And it's a provision that limits the ability of a candidate who's running for office to loan money to his own campaign. So the way it works, let's say Michael Knowles wakes up and says, I'm going to run for Congress. And you'd say, get this man to a psychiatrist. He's <laughs> lost his mind. But you're incurable. And you say, I'm going to run. I'm taking on AOC. I'm moving to New York. <laughs> My old district. We're, yeah. we're, we're going and I'm going to win. Now, if you're starting, you know, you may, you may not have a lot of supporters. You're not an incumbent politician. You don't have lobbyists probably supporting you. You don't have the infrastructure that an incumbent has. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people do if they launch a campaign is, is they loan themselves some money. So they have some money, some savings, right. and they put some money in to start the campaign. What McCain-Feingold said is if you loan your, if you loan your own money to your, your campaign, mm -hmm. after the election, you can only pay yourself back up to 250000 of it. Okay. Um, anything above 250000 with money that is raised after the campaign, you can't pay back, and you're just stuck. And by the way, when, when you talk, especially about competitive districts, mm -hmm. these campaigns can cost millions yes. and millions of dollars. So 250000 is is not as much as it sounds like. So, and what this is designed to do is it's designed to disincentive challenge challengers. So, look, if you're a gazillionaire, and by the way, we're seeing more and more billionaires running for office. If you're a billionaire, you don't care. You can put five, 10, $20 million into your campaign. You don't matter. You're so rich, it doesn't make right. a difference. You never so, need it back. So, so this is not a dis disincentive mm -hmm. to the super rich. Yeah. Um, and we're actually seeing more and more billionaires mm -hmm. who are running for office because right. they have the massive money. What this is an incentive to is, is the small business owner. What mm. this is an incentive to is the doctor. This is the, the somewhat rich. Yeah. It's not the super rich, right. it's the somewhat Who rich. has enough money that yeah. you could invest a substantial amount of money. You could invest 500000 You can invest a million dollars. You've saved. You, you put your money in the bank. You've saved. And you can invest the money in a congressional race if you could put 500000 or a million. Yeah. That gives you a real shot at communicating. Yeah, yeah. This is designed to punish that guy and say, mm. well, you know what? Let's, let's say you worked hard. You're a physician. You've got a million dollars in the bank. You loan it to the campaign. You spend every penny of it on the campaign. Yeah. You can pay back 250000 and 750000 of it. Tough luck, Michael. You Sorry. have given it to the United States of America. You don't get it back. Wow. And so that's what the existing law is. And so what I did in 2018 is I loaned my campaign $260,000. Now, that's a very specific number, Senator. I, it, it, it is. It's, it's $10,000 more mm -hmm. than the limit. So I loaned my campaign $260,000 right before the election, and then 20 days after the election, a little bit later than that, I repaid myself $250,000, which is what you're allowed to do. So there's $10,000 that under the law, it's illegal for me to pay myself back. And I did that in order to file this lawsuit. Now, the, as I, I was just reading it, obviously you can tell it better because you were there. The lawyer for the government is saying that this case should be dismissed. It should be thrown out because you obviously 
or doing something that you knew was against the law. You were just trying to trigger this court case. Yeah, that, that was an argument that the Biden Justice Department made. That, that, that's a really weak argument. Mm-hmm. So, so if you look at there are lots of cases that are test cases, that if there's an illegal or unconstitutional law, you're allowed to challenge it and you're allowed to, to you know, violate that law to challenge it. You're allowed to, to create the facts. To, and and right. there are literally hundreds of test cases where people, uh, you, you know, if, if the, the government makes it illegal for Michael Knowles to defend the right to life, you know, the government said, well, you chose to say it. You chose to violate it. You could have just obeyed. (laughs) Why didn't you? Yeah, so dismiss the case. Right. That's out of here. And so that argument is not going to go anywhere. Um, I'll say the argument I think went well. I hope so. Um, The the lawyer who argued it is a guy named Chuck Cooper, Mm -hmm. who is a very close friend of mine. He was my first boss when I came out of my clerkship. Mm -hmm. And so um, I clerked for Chief Justice William Rehnquist on the Supreme Court. Um, I came out of the clerkship in 1997, and I joined Chuck at what was then a tiny little law firm that was called Cooper and Carvin. And it was Chuck Cooper's, Mike Carvin. Law firm had six lawyers in it. Mm. It was all of nine months old. And, and Chuck had been also a clerk for Rehnquist, so he was a former Rehnquist clerk. He's one of the top Supreme Court litigators in the country, and he was my first boss. And so I went to work for him to, to learn how to be a lawyer. He, he, yeah. he really taught me how to be a lawyer. Um, and so he's representing me in this case, and, and he's a dear, dear friend. Um, he did a terrific job. And, and, and I will say, look, it's, it's, it's never absolutely clear how a case is going to come out. I think on the merits, there are clearly a majority of justices who agree that this, this provision is not unconstitutional. Mm. Okay. Um, the Department of Justice is trying to raise lots of procedural issues that basically are saying, don't get to the merits. Don't address whether the law is constitutional. And, and, and so they're throwing a lot of muck in the air trying to say, avoid the actual question of the lawsuit. I hope the court doesn't do that. I hope they actually answer the question. Uh, because this provision really is designed, and by the way, if you look at the proponents of it, if you look at Harry Reid, you look actually at Kay Bailey Hutchison, my predecessor in the Senate. Yeah. They got up and said, this is to make it harder for people to challenge us. This is all about protecting incumbents and protecting the super wealthy, the billionaires. And it's about hurting the small business owner, the doctor, the entrepreneur, the person who wants to run for Congress because they want to be Mr. Smith going to Washington. They want to challenge the swamp. So what's the swamp want to do? Make it a lot harder to challenge the swamp. Now, speaking of incumbent senators who are desperately trying to hold on to power, there has been a major <laughs> push from the Biden administration and the Democrat senators and Chuck Schumer to get rid of the filibuster yep. before they lose their elections, which increasingly it looks like is going to happen in November. They are trying to get through any legislation and they can't do that right now because they, they don't have enough uh, uh, votes to get through the 60 vote threshold. And I think, you know it more closely than I do, I think that the attempt to kill the filibuster is just as dead as the OSHA mandate. Am I right? Uh, hopefully, yes, and I think you are. Okay. So, so you and I were recording this Wednesday late afternoon. Uh, as soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to get up literally in a half hour. <laughs> I'm going to be on the Senate floor, and we're having the filibuster fight tonight. So I have not yet had that battle, yep. but in about half hour we will. Uh, what is going to happen is, is that Chuck Schumer is going to file cloture 
on their federal election takeover legislation. Cloture takes 60 votes. It's going to fail. Uh, he will probably get all the Democrats. It'll probably be 50-50. Yeah. Uh, but it will fail because 50 is not 60. Yeah. Um, they then, I think, will yabber a while because they want to make us listen to them yabber. Yeah. Um, and then what he's going to do, likely, is file a motion uh, to reconsider. And he will challenge, the. He, he will inquire of the chair whether it takes 50 or 60 votes to proceed to cloture the chair will reject his claim. We'll say it takes 60, mm -hmm. assuming the chair follows the law. Right. Uh, in which case, Schumer will move to appeal. He will appeal the ruling of the chair. That's what's called the nuclear option. So the rules of the Senate, they're written down, they're in a book. We all have that book in our desks. You have, a, you have the rules of the Senate. The rules of the Senate say cloture takes 60 votes. That's literally, you know, black and white typed in, typed in the rules. Now you can change the rules of the Senate. Right. To change the rules of the Senate takes 67 senators. So it's a higher threshold. Mm. 67 senators can agree to change the rules of the Senate. They don't have 67 senators. There is one other way to do it, and it's what's called the nuclear option. So Schumer will appeal the ruling of the chair. Any ruling of the chair can be appealed. To overturn the ruling of the chair just takes 50 votes. It takes a majority, okay. it doesn't take 60. And then the Senate is weird. If the ruling of the chair is overturned, that becomes a precedent, and they actually keep a book of all the precedents of the Senate. Okay. And that precedent has the same force as the rules written on paper. So in other words, if Schumer succeeds, he will break the rules of the Senate in order to change the rules of the Senate. So, so now you'll have these two rules written down on the paper, and the new one beats the old one. Right, and the new one is just a precedent. It's just... A majority of the Senate voted that this is now the rules, so the old ones written on the paper don't matter anymore. Right. Now, the good news is I think the odds are extremely likely, hopefully certain, uh, that, that Schumer's going to fail. Um, and the reason for that is that there are two senators, two Democrats, who have been explicit saying they're not going to participate in, in nuking the filibuster. Joe Manchin. Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten Cinema last week gave a speech on the Senate floor. I was sitting on the floor. I heard her speech yeah. where she drew a line and said, I will not do this. This will destroy the Senate. It will destroy bipartisanship. Mm. Mind you, one of the illustrations of, of just how nasty and partisan ending the filibuster would make the Senate, that same week, Joe Biden was down in Georgia giving this right. racist, nasty, divisive speech, partisan speech. He called half the country Bull Connor racists. Yep. He called every Republican in America a Bull Connor racist. Uh, he, he called Joe Manchin. Literally, by the way, he literally said, you are like Bull Connor, you are like George Wallace. It was hateful. Now, set aside the irony that Bull Connor and George Wallace were Democrats. <laughs> right. Set aside the irony that Joe Biden literally gave a eulogy at Robert Byrd's funeral, mm -hmm. an, an, an exalted cyclops, the a Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> uh, so if anyone has no standing to be on his high horse on racial grounds, it's Joseph Biden. But that kind of speech is just, not only do they not want any Republican, Susan Collins is too conservative for them, yeah. Mitt Romney is too conservative right. for them. Now they don't even want Democrats, Manchin and Cinema. Today, you've got Bernie Sanders talking about he's going to support primary challengers to Manchin and Cinema. 
And Chuck Schumer said he didn't know if he would support his own caucus. It is ugly. Assuming Cinema and Mansion don't blink, and I don't think they will at this point. If it was just one of them, the risk I would be more nervous. Right. With the two of them, I ho- I'm hoping each bucks the other up. And just as a matter of practical politics, person-to-person politics, the Democrats seem to be doing everything they can to irritate Mansion and Cinema, ch- chasing them into bathrooms and filming them. And well, I got to say, with Mansion, you know, come on in. The water's warm. I, as I told Joe several weeks ago. You know, one of the two parties actually likes you. Right, right. Um, Now you want to, so, but the odds are very, very high that tonight Schumer will fail. To be honest, this is performance theater Hmm. for Schumer's primary in New York that he doesn't want AOC to primary him. So he's trying to appease the radical left by Hmm. failing tonight. So he's setting it up to fail tonight. It'll be interesting to see if Kamala Harris is in the seat as Hmm. the presiding officer. My bet is she will be. Hmm. Because, you know, if you're going to have a big failure, you do need Kamala to preside over it. And, and, and that's literally it's just fitting. Right? It, 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 it's the way they think yep. that it is all about appease the crazy left. This is going to fail tonight. But you want to hear something really ironic? Okay, so we were supposed to be on recess this week. Yeah. Schumer is a terrible majority leader. He doesn't actually know how to run the Senate. And so he had to, like, cancel the recess and come back to do this performance theater and failed night. Um, I actually, on my flight out here today, uh, Rand Paul was was on the flight because he was called back and had to vote on this. And we're all here. Every Republican has to be here. Um, You know, if if they could knock one of us off, they could win this filibuster fight. So (laughs) so we're like, you know, you know, we've got tasters. Look over your shoulder. Right. Um, It's for two weeks. They've given speeches about how the filibuster is a Jim Crow relic Mm -hmm. from racist times. The filibuster is evil. Do you know what the very last thing the Democrats did was before today? No, no, I I, I have no idea, Senator. Uh, Let me... The the last thing the Democrats (laughs) did last week was filibuster (laughs) my bill sanctioning Russia sanctioning Nord Stream 2. Now, we've talked a lot about Nord Stream 2. You know, if they didn't have double standards, they would have no standards at all. Literally, as they're giving speeches, the filibuster is racist. Let's filibuster this. Like, simultaneously. And and I got to say, it was amazing. So this vote, the vote we had last week was a big, big deal on Nord Stream 2. So this is about this pipeline, and it's really about the future of Ukraine vis-a-vis Russia and vis-a-vis the West. Yeah, so the history of it, we've talked a lot about Ukraine uh, on on this show. We started off two years ago with impeachment and Ukraine and Burisma, and we talked about how Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, Ukraine became an independent nation. Ukrainians don't like the Russians. The Russians want to control and dominate Ukraine and many of their neighbors, most of their neighbors. And Putin, look, Putin is a KGB thug. He has said one of the most candid things he's ever said is he said that he thinks the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century was the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Right. And so Putin longs to reassemble the Soviet Union and have Russia. He wants Soviet greatness again. And if you're reassembling the Soviet Union, there's nothing you want more than Ukraine. Ukraine is, is, is the breadbasket. Now, 
Putin has invaded Ukraine before. He did it in 2014. You remember Crimea? Right. That's part of Ukraine. Putin marched in and invaded it and took it over. And kept it. And kept it. Yeah. Uh, but he stopped. He didn't continue invading Ukraine. He stopped short. Why did he stop short? Well, the reason is that right now, Russia's major export is natural gas and oil. That's, that's, Putin is basically a petro-tyrant. Um, and to get his natural gas to Europe, who's the major consumer of it, it goes through pipelines that go right through Ukraine. So Putin's sitting there going, well, if I march into Ukraine, they could damage or destroy those pipelines. And if they damage or destroy those pipelines, suddenly Russia can't get the gas to Europe and we're screwed. So Putin was mad because he's like, I want to invade them, but they've got a stranglehold on our ability to get gas to Europe. So suddenly... I can't invade them. So what did he do? The next year, Putin launched a project called Nord Stream 2. And it was, let's build an undersea pipeline that skips Ukraine altogether, goes under the ocean, and goes straight from Russia to Germany. And that pipeline, once it's complete, we don't have to worry about Ukraine and the energy infrastructure. We can march in and take it over because we can get our gas to Europe. Well, two years ago, I introduced bipartisan legislation to stop it passed it through Congress, Trump signed it to law, and we stopped the pipeline. We won. The pipeline was dead, buried, stopped, kaput for over a year. Yeah. Then Joe Biden came into office, and Biden surrendered. He capitulated to Putin. Yeah. Putin began rebuilding the pipeline literally on January 24th. 2021. I'm glad he took a nice long weekend, you know, a few days and then starts up again. Four days after he sw- uh, Biden sworn in. So the pipeline right now is completed. So Putin has finished it because Biden formally waived the sanctions. Um, but it's still awaiting certification in Europe. So they can't turn it on until the regulatory agents have certified it. Um, and so I introduced legislation to reimpose the sanctions, to overturn Biden's surrender to Putin. Now, twice I've introduced legislation like this before. And twice it's passed essentially unanimously. Every Democrat has supported it twice. We had a big battle in December. I was holding dozens of State Department nominees. We're there till one in the morning. I'm negotiating with Chuck Schumer. I said, all right, I'm going to lift 32 holds. Let these nominees go through in exchange for scheduling the vote on Nord Stream 2 that we had just last week. Schumer gave in, scheduled the vote. They did not want that vote. They were, the Biden White House was lobbying against it like crazy. Because e- even if the Democrats win the vote, then they're all on the record of saying, Ukraine, see you later. That's exactly right. And, and they, for two years, had been, say, had been squarely against Nord Stream 2. This is a vote. When Trump was president, every Democrat was for these sanctions. Right. The only thing, that, there's two things that are different. Number one, instead of a Republican with an R behind his name, or a president with an R behind his name, there's a president with a D behind his name. Now that it's a Democrat, suddenly the Democrats support Russia. And number two, there are over 100,000 troops on the border of Ukraine. Any day now, we could see the Ukrainian invasion Hmm. by Russia. And they have to do it in about the next month or so because as we get into the spring, the land starts to thaw huh. and the Russian tanks get stuck in the mud. So, huh. so their huh. window to invade is narrow. But we voted on it. It was amazing. We ended up, so I won the vote. 
won a substantial bipartisan majority of the Senate. The vote was 55 to 44. So every Republican voted yes, except Rand Paul. And Rand Paul pretty much opposes all sanctions. So I got all, all Republicans but Rand. And on the Democratic side, six Democrats voted yes. So it was 55 to 44. It was a big bipartisan majority. We're not living in a particularly bipartisan era, so that, that's impressive. Um, now, 55 is not 60. Mm. And so the Democrats filibustered and said, you don't have 60, you don't get to pass it. Now, here's another interesting thing. There are a number of Democrats who are in vulnerable elections, who are on the ballot in November. Every single Democrat in a vulnerable election in November voted with me. Mm. So Mark Kelly in Arizona voted for my sanctions on Russia. Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada voted for my sanctions in Nevada, uh, on Russia. Uh, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire voted for my sanctions against Russia. Even Raphael Warnock, one of the most liberal senators in the Senate, voted for my sanctions against Russia because he didn't want to tell the voters of Georgia in November, yeah, I voted to support Putin because I'm a Democrat. Right. Um, we got six Democrats. You know who we didn't get? Manchin or Cinema? Huh. <laughs> They're doing enough. So <laughs> what was amazing, the day of the vote, Biden came to the Capitol. He had lunch with all the Democratic senators the day of the vote. And Joe Biden was personally lobbying the Democratic senators to vote wow. against Cruz's sanctions on Russia. Wow. And so I, it's actually, I mean, you said it tongue in cheek, but it's actually true. I just think Manchin and Cinema felt they couldn't <laughs> stand up to the White House at anything else. They were getting so pounded on everything right. else. We've killed your legislative agenda, so we'll let you. And, have and look, I, I didn't like that they voted no, but, but I, I'll give them a mulligan right. because they are saving the Republic on other sides. Yeah. But the Democrats, are literally, literally, this yeah. is not hyperbole, they are literally acquiescing in Russia wiping Ukraine off the map. So they're, you might say they are thumbing their nose at Ukraine, which raises one, I know we have to let you get to the Senate to go vote, but it does raise one very important story that involves a victory and a loss. You won a basketball game, you lost the use of your thumb. <laughs> True enough, and by the way, that's that's quite the segue. Um, I, let me just say, uh, I, I, if the president of Yale ever sees that segue, they will revoke your degree. <laughs> they, they've been trying for years. Uh, well, that's true. That 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 uh, uh, they would revoke your degree for many other reasons before then. So so that's probably the least least of, mm-hmm. of your sins on that front. So yeah, so I broke my thumb. Um, on, you don't have a cast on. So I don't. I've got a splint, but you can take it off. Okay. So so I was playing. Uh, Friday, I, I play basketball about twice a week. Yep. And so Friday, because Schumer doesn't know how to run the Senate, we were still around. And so I was playing f- Friday morning. Uh, and I play, a lot of times other senators play, but but I play every week with my staff. We got some good good ball players. We got a couple of guys who played college basketball, a couple of guys who played college football. So we're playing. You, know, you, you actually have in, invited me to this game. I, I did make sure I was busy that day so that I did not humiliate myself on the court. So, so I have joked that, that our game is, is more violent than skillful. And, and, <laughs> and it is. I mean, we play no blood, no foul. And yeah. there are regularly fouls. Yeah. So, so there is regularly blood. <laughs> and so in this instance, I was going up for a rebound and, and, and the culprit 
uh, is a guy who was a law clerk in our office. Uh, you'll appreciate this as a New Yorker. His name mm. is Tony. Mm. He's from New York. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Um, he, he is a great guy, uh, hardworking, conservative law student, um, but, but he's from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he played street ball in Brooklyn. And he, Tony from Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. In, in, in every respect. And so I went around. up for a rebound, and he came down like a ton of bricks on my thumb and, and broke it right across there. Oh, so I had an x-ray today, and they're like, or actually yesterday I had an x-ray. They're like, yep, that's, that's a fracture. So you, you lost a little bit of the use of your thumb, but you did win the game. I did, and we actually finished the game terrifyingly enough, with the broken thumb. I tried to shoot, and I couldn't. I mean, it, it, it really hurt This to is shoot. not quite at the level of Teddy Roosevelt getting shot no. and then finishing his speech, but, but same principle. But I will say this. I did score a layup with a broken thumb because I could use my four fingers. I just stuck my thumb off to the side and did a, did a little scoop layup. So, and, I, yeah. so I even, even scored, scored a bucket with a broken thumb. It's a physical but, lesson. It's a political lesson. Yeah. No pain, no gain. Sometimes you have to make some sacrifices for the wins. I hope you get a win tonight. Before we go, you might remember on the 100th episode of Verdict that we announced a contest, actually a series of contests, free merch for people who commented, an opportunity maybe to come out and see us, some some other wonderful prizes as well. Well, now, because this is the two-year anniversary of Verdict with Ted Cruz, we have the winners because we all want to celebrate here to introduce those winners our very own Liz Wheeler. Thank you for having me. I don't like to think of this as giving away free stuff, though. This is this is earned merchandise. Mm, yes. These, 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 our community here. here, our community here earned this by mm-hmm. being part of what we do. No this, this is, oh yeah, we hit these benchmarks, by the way, most of them. Mm. And we're going to do the fun stuff anyway. We hit these benchmarks, which is awesome. On YouTube, we said um, 10 people commenting on episode 100 would get a free box of merch, you know, the sweet cactus hat, mm-hmm. the, the laptop stickers, the t-shirts. 1,500 people commented. Wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I think that's incredible. So here are the winners. Ken Melber Jr., you won. Meta Veria, you won. Stefan Diaz, you won. Shelly Carter, you won. Philip Paxton, Driving Fritz. I assume that's a username, right? Mm. Thomas Lusty, Dr. Rig, Mark Erdman, Safe Spot, Andrew Clark, Megadeth Till Death, another username. Still counts. Todd Cole, Mary Fleshman, and Cosmic Caracella. These are the winners. By the way, if some parents actually name their child <laughs> Little Megadeth, mm-hmm. yeah. he or she may be very upset right now. Uh, I think that's Slavic. I don't know. <laughs> so we will reach out to each and every one of you um, to give you your, your merch here. And I, I want to see pictures. I want to see pictures mm-hmm. of everybody wearing this merch. So that's on YouTube. Then on Verdict Plus, this is this was maybe the most fun one. We said that a member of Verdict Plus, the Verdict Plus community, will win an all-access trip to come and see us on the road on college campuses. Well, we have a winner here. This is an Italian name. Michael, you can tell me if I'm butchering mm-hmm. this. Puzzoli. Let me see it. Huh. I, I would say, look, your pronunciation was beautiful. He's going to tell me I'm wrong. I would say you words. need a little more, you know, you get the face down. Puzzoli. Puzzoli? Puzzoli. 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 Well, Mr. Puzzoli, you have won a trip to see Verdict live. That's pretty awesome. We will reach out to you. And then... Um, this is my favorite one, and I am going to bias this poll. We are going to mm. post this on the Verdict Plus community. That's verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus, because everyone needs to vote in this. For um, this upcoming year, there's going to be a community-based 
competition mm -hmm. or shenanigans, if you will, and this is what you're going to vote on. I'm not taking part in this. I'm just going to enjoy it. You guys will have to do this. Should, for an episode of Verdict, the senator wear a Braves jersey? Mm. It's option number one. Mm. Option number two, should there be an arm wrestling match between Michael and the senator? Mm. I think yeah. we all know how that would end. Right. Yeah, um, you know. Should the real truth cactus be a special guest on the show? Mm. I think that's a good option. Or should there be a throwdown episode trash-talking Yale versus Princeton? That, that could go on for hours. <laughs> that could go on for hours. So this poll for... will be posted on, again, verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. Um, can I tell you which one I want to see? Which, which one? one I, well, I'm going to vote for the arm wrestling. You're going to vote for the arm well, And who do you think is going to win? Michael, don't ask questions this you don't is, want to know the answer uh, to. Really polite. Thank you, can you. Vote, you can vote in it. Uh, now, look, Michael may now be engaged. Now that I have a broken thumb, he, 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 he may suddenly <laughs> feel he seized an advantage. Providence has smiled upon <laughs> me. Thank you very much. Well, and congratulations to all of the winners. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in for two years, two years of verdict. Uh, it's wonderful. We look forward to a whole lot more episodes with you, and we look forward to arm wrestling. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No ben Ferguson here, and if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. And I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investments to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more now at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.